This is Conquering Columbus. Mike here, and that means you're listening to the Conquering Columbus podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. On this episode, Josh got the chance to talk with Vamsi Cora, founder and CEO of Gothi Analytics. And early on in the interview, Josh asked Vamsi about his background, and he spoke about growing up in southern India. I grew up in um, a small farming community in South India, you know, on a river delta, basically. So we grew up among paddy, sugarcane, cashew nut, mango farmers uh, and, and in the small places. You know, went through my education entirely through government-funded education, which is still, you know, very prevalent in India. And uh, did uh, engineering in uh, mechanical uh, engineering as a major. And oddly enough, uh, my first job was to work as a marine engineer on cargo ships. When I was 22, uh, traveled around the world, probably made about two and a half trips around the equator. Later, Bamsi spoke a bit about the value of data and how data can impact an organization's decision-making. People misunderstand the value of, or rather, how data is collected, gathered, contextualized, cleaned, and certified at the right grain, at the right place, to make right decisions for a bank or insurance company or healthcare or retail or whatever. There isn't always a statistical model involved in that process. Sometimes your decision-making can be a 80 if-then-else statements embedded within them. And that can run a credit lending process for a bank. And it works beautifully well. It worked 20 years ago, it works now. As they wrapped up the interview, Bounsley spoke to a point of pride for him and his business, their low attrition rate. You know, one of the things that I always uh, hold dear to my heart and, and, you know, wear with, you know, on my sleeve with a pride is we have almost uh, near zero attrition during these uh, extremely difficult uh, situations of uh, holding on to talent. So, to speak. you know, we all hear about uh, we were able to keep this almost near zero compared to any other competitor. Primarily because we take care of people very well, we empower them. Uh, I treated, uh, you know, the, the core of the team as my partners. I brought along a whole bunch of uh, core team along with me and incentivized them and made them part of that success. Even though nothing was ever written on the piece of paper, it's always team and uh, it's not good enough for us to say that as a cheesy thing to say. I think we, we have an opportunity to walk the talk and, and that part makes me very proud that uh, I was able to do that. Josh had a great time speaking with Vamsi and as usual, I'm confident you'll learn a lot from this conversation. Before I go, I just wanted to say thanks so much for tuning in. Your support keeps the show going and we hope you'll hit that subscribe button if you want to hear more interviews with leaders from around Columbus every week. All right, that's it for me. Let's get on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we're talking with Wamsi Cora, founder and CEO of Gothi Analytics. Gothi Analytics was acquired by Apexon, a Goldman Sachs portfolio company in 2021. And today, Wamsi serves as the chief data officer. We're excited to talk about Wamsi's entrepreneurial journey and learn more about his story and the story of Gothi Analytics. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Wamsi. Glad to be here, Josh. Really appreciate it. So how's your day going so far? Um, another day, <laughs> day at work, you know, coming out of uh, Thanksgiving. Now it gets busy for the next few weeks. Uh, trying to get through the air end and financials, people, holiday parties. Yeah, all the traditional, Busy. All the traditional stuff. Yep. So we usually start back off in the beginning. We like to learn a little bit more about the personal side of, of some of our guests before we dive into the business aspects. And so I'd love to hear about childhood and upbringing and, and take us through kind of some of the milestones up until you got to your collegiate days and how that all unfolded. Thanks for uh, inviting me and glad to be here. Uh, it's amazing what you guys are doing uh, apart from your day jobs. You know, I, I grew up in um, a small farming community in South India, you know, on a river delta, basically. So we grew up uh, among paddy, sugarcane, cashew nut, mango farmers. 
uh, and, and in the small places. You know, went through my education through uh, mostly and uh, entirely through government funded education, which is still, you know, uh, very prevalent in India and uh, did uh, engineering in uh, mechanical uh, engineering as a major. Uh, and oddly enough, uh, my first job was to work as a um, marine engineer on cargo ships. You know, when I was 22, uh, traveled around the world, probably made about two and a half trips around the equator. How did you fall into that? That's, that's an incredible journey to be a part of at 22 years old and, and got to be tough to just go away from home for that extended period of time. How did the job come about? During that time, you know, this is 1993, uh, when I graduated engineering, there weren't many uh, lucrative jobs, so to speak, at the time. So IT, information technology, as you understand, and IT-related services, which India has become well-known for and have become really a, one of what typically is called as an IT services hub, uh, which is today. It wasn't there at the time. So one of the very interesting jobs when you are a mechanical engineer is to go through marine training uh, in a shipyard or things like that, So which I did, and apply for jobs in Merchant Navy, which I did. So th that's how it happened. You know, the journey through that, that process is not as, um, <laughs> as sexy as it looks. As a junior engineer on a cargo ship, and these ships are like rust buckets, just to be clear, on high seas, that's one of the toughest things that you can do. Because as a junior engineer, you are expected to work seven days a week, and specific times are 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. every night, basically. I went through that because I felt I had a point to prove to myself that I could do that. It's uh, less of missing uh, the family or going away from home. That didn't bother me much. But the, the pure physical workload of day-to-day, -day, trying to manage you know, two decades world of diesel engines inside the hull of a cargo ship, uh, that's no fun. And so you, you go through that phase and are you away for all 12 months of the year? Do you get some breaks throughout? I actually did uh, two rounds. One time I was there for away on ships for seven months. And then I worked for a Bahamas-based company, uh, shipping company, for 12 months straight. And uh, oddly enough, again, my first trip to U.S. is on a cargo ship to Houston. Uh, and that's where, so that's how I came to this country first time. Then I, after that trip, uh, we took some uh, industrial material went to uh, Irian Jaya Islands and, you know, north of Australia. And we dropped that missionary there. From there, the ship went to Singapore to pick up some stuff. And that's where I signed off after 12-month 12 12 contracts. So I went home. Uh, I was just seriously considering changing jobs. The sailor job as, you know, kind of romantic as it sounds, it's not. It's pretty lonely. And I, I'm not uh, very good at being alone at all. Um, that's one of my, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I thrive in crowds and thrive in social settings rather than being the lone wolf kind of thing. So uh, fortunately, that was when the Y2K and, you know, information technology, IT related services uh, were growing. So I went there, uh, switched my gears and, you know, learned IT, got into an IT job after, you know, a couple of years, came here through kind of employment, basically. And was your passion and desire always to make it to the U.S. after visiting Houston for the first time? or um, Not exactly U.S. Uh, to be, you know, pretty, you know, frank with you, 
I was trying to find two things, the career that I would enjoy, anything that just like we all do at the time. Uh, and also a bit of, you know, financial security around that time, having to take care of family and so on. Uh, so it was one of the options, um, uh, but not really, I didn't think of uh, U.S. as the only option at the time. Fortunately, the way it worked out, uh, I wouldn't have it any other way, obviously. Um, uh, when I when I look back and when, when I talk to people, if you're leaving India, this is the best place to come and deliver value uh, and, you know, grow through pure meritocracy and, and what you bring to the table. And so where do you put down roots when you finally make it to the States? Uh, so we, uh, my, our, uh, we, I got married just before coming to US um, in 98 and um, joined a, an insurance company which was owned by Nationwide Insurance. But the insurance company is in a small place called, a small town called Wausau, Wisconsin. Uh, it was south of uh, Green Bay uh, that everybody recognizes. So from South India, both of us, we traveled to Wisconsin. And what is the weather like in South India? Because I, I know what the weather is like in Wisconsin. Uh, it, it's very tropical. And not so, Wisconsin. Not, <laughs> not definitely Wisconsin. And we were there for four years uh, without, uh, I mean, obviously cold bothered us and, and the perpetual snow for five months bothered us. But in terms of... Um, people and the culture and, uh, you know, how safe uh, those towns are uh, to grow um, and and even raise a family, how um, welcoming people are. So all those, we uh, truly enjoyed that experience. And so you're in IT at that time, but it's a pretty, pretty broad thing, right? So were you zoning in on a particular area of that that was working well for you? That's a great question. I would have answered it anyway. <laughs> I always tell my team and, and, you know, new joiners in our company and so on that until I found in I databases, data structures in IT, I didn't enjoy IT at all. I was just doing, doing a job. But uh, once I found everything that has to do with enterprise data structures, databases, SQL as a language within IT. That's when I really started enjoying my job. Beyond that point, without coming across as exaggerating, I genuinely, genuinely uh, loved um, everything that I did uh, in my career. What was it about databases and database infrastructure that, that drew you to? Was it the ability to drive correlations and then kind of dive into the data and... Yeah, I think, you know, uh, like some people, how um, they could look at a picture, look at an user interface and get excited about it. I am not a very creative person, but I am extremely analytical in by nature. And numbers always struck with me. I always have been good with um, math as a student and, and beyond that. So uh, yeah, I think all those qualities in terms of uh, being able to you know, analyze complex data sets, making connections with the, within those data sets and being able to really, you know, understand anomalies within the data sets and the value eventually of the data towards, say, serving a purpose of an entity, an organization, an enterprise. I think that connection, as I kept on making in my career, that really opened my eyes on how a bank performs, how a bank a banker makes decisions and how it impacts a consumer, how it should impact and how it is actually impacting. Same as insurance, how they rate their policies, how they process their claims and customer profitability, you name all that. So slowly and steadily, I started making those connections between highly, uh, deeply technical aspects of 
data element and how the decisions are made from information that is gleaned out of the data and how those decisions are impacting customer and, and society, consumer groups around it. So I think that somehow made me, it, it stimulated my brain and, and thought process really. And it's almost, and maybe you totally disagree with this, but when I think about it, uh, a different language to some extent, right? It's the language of consumer behavior and, and I guess just human behavior in general in a digital format. Yeah, so th- that human behavior is, is the aspect. So, um, you know, I, I find myself, you know, saving number of uh, articles through the week to read over the weekend. And I, sh- I keep sharing that with all my team and friends and so on. Anything that has data analysis behind it, you know, the soccer World Cup that's happening today, you know, a month, two months before, all kinds of, um, you know, analysis comes into the play. Some of them are very poetic in nature and how beautiful Brazil's game is versus Messi's game, you know, so on and so forth. But there is also, uh, there are few analysts who actually study that sport, just like baseball and the stats and so on, are elections, are uh, environmental impact and economy, obviously. So any topic that is analyzed through numbers, it's extremely appealing to me. Uh, You know, for example, Nate Silver's 538.com. I'm a frequent browser of those articles. And so that, so anyway, there is data-driven analysis, data-driven decisions. Uh, I'm not saying that is, you know, end all kind of uh, aspect to human life, but it probably takes away complexity quite a bit. Removes the ambiguity from, from a lot of yeah, situations. It, it removes ambiguity better than any other means to get there. Hey, everybody. Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive companies, grows a highly adaptive workforce, and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. What about your, and I want to get into the creation of, of Got the Analytics here soon and, and hear about kind of where that came from and the name and all of that. But I'm curious from like a statistical modeling standpoint, you know, your background was in the engineering side. You feel very comfortable with math, but my personal opinion is that is statistics is, a, is an evil version of math. <laughs> and so as you started to dive into those, like, did you build a team around you that, that had that skill set or have you developed it yourself over the years? I am not a statistician. I don't even see myself as a you know, high-grade mathematician in, in that sense. Mathematics and science in general came pretty easy, uh, easier to me compared to art, for example, as a student and, and beyond that. I'm always gravitated, as I just mentioned, about numbers and numbers-driven appro- approach to decision-making and so on. Uh, however, the people misunderstand the value of, or, or rather, how data is collected, gathered, contextualized, cleaned, 
and certified at the right grain at the right place to make right decisions for a bank or insurance company or healthcare or retail or whatever there isn't always a statistical model involved in that process sometimes your decision making can be a 80 if then else statements embedded within them and that can run a credit lending process for a bank and it works beautifully well it worked 20 years ago it works now you can always improvise and you must improvise to include more demographics and correct any mistakes that are happening respond to regulatory uh, changes respond to changing nature of consumers within the, you know all that so that change is fine but statistical models are not always the solution and uh, we we approach in our company gati analytics anyway we are not statistical modelers so to speak and we have some of it growing up now in a, in our machine learning practice through at apexon uh, but we are we are definitely data engineers and data analysts for sure that makes a chief data officer a chief information officer chief marketing officer and chief risk officers life uh, within a bank or an insurance company much more easier so that's what we set out to do and and, and uh, help them so how did Gathi Analytics come about. So while um, I, you know, uh, I had like 20 plus years experience by 2017, delivering highly, very, very large, complex uh, enterprise data assets, uh, all kinds of them. Um, uh, I can give like a dozen acronyms that would be very boring for you and the listeners, but let's call them as data assets for a company. Extremely large um, and uh, extremely complex, uh, heterogeneous Uh, multi-tenant, multi-user assets over about 20 years. Worked as a developer, you know, data administrator, architect, and and then got into management roles and grew there. Uh, over the time, what I felt uh, when I, I always had this inkling to start a company. Um, I was just hesitating back and forth. I, I was at, you know, almost mid-40s. It's not easy to make a decision when you have... large bills coming up with two kids on the way to uh, college but uh, you know what i found uh, in the uh, is that uh, i actually drew a triangle to two of uh, the folks that i was you know kind of brainstorming at the time uh, and you know i think this framework uh, can work for anybody you know you have uh, one node of the triangle just say that you have talent your own talent and skill and the talent that you can attract which is sometimes more important than your own talent and the market positioning for that talent to commercialize to be able to monetize and other resources you need money support advisors people you know contacts and all that right so i i, I drew that triangle and put myself in the middle and said okay the talent is absolutely we are as confident as anybody can bring you know the the core uh thought leadership within gati and today apexon in our data and digital engineering uh we are as good as anybody out there no matter how big uh, other companies are and the market space we know it's growing like crazy you know uh, gartner predicted that we would reach a 250 billion in fact originally 150 billion um, it spend on data globally by 2025 we reached that in 2022 and now we are tracking to 250 billion by 25 so you can imagine the you know size of the market so the market size is always there and the resources you know i i always invested in people both people that i worked for my bosses so to speak 
and people who worked for me in terms of hierarchy over the years i always maintained very healthy relationship i knew uh, i could call people they'll come and join me at the same time i could call some of the senior executives in the industry they would respond positively so with that confidence and with the goal of providing the same data capabilities that number one bank in this country you know have we wanted to provide through our expertise and accelerators the same level of uh, value proposition to mid size banks not to small not to big kind of banks that's how we started initially uh, but as it happened now we are um, you know partnering with really large banks uh, and insurance companies and healthcare uh, to solve their problems so what did the early days look like when you first you said you got to start in 2017 is that right yeah 2017 um in fact i mean early days were absolutely fine i mean we got our first uh, three breaks within first few months of our existence we started our uh, offshore development center in hyderabad india um and an office here in dublin ohio had uh, three customers spread across here uh, kansas city and uh, in uh, dallas area so when you have that quick success uh, for somebody who already uh, you know has lot of confidence in what they are doing and, and full conviction in uh, market opportunity you know you, you can get little cocky i think that either that or the market whatever happened the second year was not much fun we stopped growing we didn't know how to scale we didn't know how to sell uh, in, in a traditional i tried to build a traditional sales engine like any service company would do uh, that did not go anywhere then finally i realized the only way that we are going to grow is to show value to again the the executive buyers within an organization the cdo cao chief risk officer and so on so we met with uh, in 2018 in the second half of 2018 we were able to make connects with um, you know a dozen of these executives across so many companies and we kept on delivering lot of pilot programs for them with the accelerators uh, that we built and industry data models we built and our own experience so we in a way our pitch was you know we are very 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 small compared to some of the big 10 it service firms that you are already working with but we are very quick and we can prove that to you in less than 12 weeks at no cost of yours and most importantly by taking very very minimal time from your team which is more important to them than the money uh, because their subject matter experts are always busy and always on demand so we are very very careful with it so we did about eight pilots uh, in this last 6 uh, months of 2018 and this is when i started questioning myself on uh, is this really for me being an entrepreneur or should i go back to corporate again kind of thing uh, and in um, uh, towards end of jan 2019 we got our first call back so to speak on one of these pilots that we have done for an insurance uh, brokerage firm out of kansas city Uh, and that was the beginning uh, and as it happens uh, we had a new client um, uh, we, we acquired one new client almost every month uh, throughout 2019 and we never looked back so what problem were you solving and who exactly were you solving it for during those pilot periods was it was it again the small medium sized banks you were aiming for yeah so during that time we were still 
uh, in the mid-size banks and insurance brokerage firms and things like that financial services companies one of the biggest problems that uh, we were solving we approach uh, enterprise data problems as two aspects one is you know tech for tech kind of initiatives which are um, 100% owned and run by cao officers and uh, other uh, other uh, type of initiatives are run by chief data officer and sometimes even the business uh, unit heads like cmo cro so on so we built lot of accelerators for cao's office uh, and the data platform owners that help them modernize their data assets to make data ready and engineer, uh, well engineered well modeled well indexed uh, well structured data ready at the right grain which can scale and deliver on demand internally so when caos could do that they can declare uh, quite a bit of success and then the second part of that equation is caos and chief data officer and, and the business units are typically partner to focus on delivering exact business specific problems some of those problems can be delivering highly certifiable data with right data lineages that can respond to regulatory demands that highly regulated industries like financial services and healthcare need to do when they don't do it we all hear about banks and other companies getting fined through occ and other firms so we did we deliver very very specific value that um, uh, under specific methodology and models that help certify the data the right way not only for the current compliance and regulatory demand but the future compliance and regulatory demand that will come right so that's one big use case and other ones are bringing your products customer accounts and the channel integration well done to get to omni channel kind of solutions for any company in, in fact um which is a huge um you know the value delivery for any company that is getting into digitization uh, aspect right so um we we focused on those very specific use cases that helps uh, a cmo to do better uh, segmentation better campaigning better handle on return on campaign uh, and omni channel aspect of uh, the entire uh, delivery mechanism of products uh, and uh, you know credit origination systems fraud and uh, you know all aspects of an operational analytics you know uh, aspects that we we kept on solving so many problems for them so so we were able to sell in that sense and become trusted partners for caos on one side and chief data officer and, and the business unit said on the other side so if we think about it maybe from a value chain perspective we have to acquire the customers and there's data optimization from a segmentation perspective everything there with the omni channel that you mentioned then we have to get them to use our our platform product service whatever it is and we're taking data in terms of how they're interacting with it and we're figuring out you know what can we decipher from that and how can we use it and then we're storing that data and there's compliance regulations and things like that and so across all three of those buckets you guys would have different pilot programs and and yeah. you would help them in your value proposition uh spanned all those categories absolutely and so how you began to scale from there we're winning customers we're we're growing kind of organically through word of mouth and we're starting to get traction in the market where does it go all the way until 2022 we are growing and we have been growing about somewhere between 100 to 150% every quarter since 2019 uh, q1 and almost all this growth um, came from our current customers calling and referring future customers 
ట్రెడిషనల్ సేల్స్ ఇంజన్ డెలివర్డ్ టు అన్ ఎక్స్టెంట్ బట్ మోస్ట్లీ దిస్ ఈజ్ అబౌట్ సీనియర్ ఎగ్జిక్యూటివ్స్ అండ్ ఆర్ సిటింగ్ అండ్ వర్కింగ్ టుగెదర్ ఇన్ సాల్వింగ్ దియర్ ప్రాబ్లమ్స్ సో యూనో జస్ట్ ఇన్ లాస్ట్ త్రీ మంత్స్ వీ డెలివర్డ్ త్రీ అసెస్మెంట్స్ ఫర్ ఫార్చ్యూన్ ఫిఫ్టీ ఫైనాన్షియల్ సర్వీసెస్ కంపెనీస్ త్రీ డిఫరెంట్ వన్స్ దీస్ ఆర్ లైక్ వెల్ నోన్ బ్రాండ్స్ అండ్ వీ డిడ్ దట్ యాజ్ అవర్ ఇన్వెస్ట్మెంట్ టువర్డ్స్ దిస్ వెరీ లాంగ్ టర్మ్ పార్ట్నర్షిప్ వేర్ వీ స్టడీ దేర్ కరెంట్ డేటా సిస్టమ్స్ హౌ దే ఆర్ ప్రిపేరింగ్ అండ్ గవర్నింగ్ డేటా దేర్ టెక్స్టాక్ అండ్ హౌ ఆల్ దిస్ ఇన్వెస్ట్మెంట్ ఈజ్ యాక్చువల్లీ డెలివరింగ్ వెరీ ట్యాంజిబుల్ వాల్యూ టు దేర్ ఇంటర్నల్ బిజినెస్ యూనిట్స్ సో ఆల్ సో వీ హ్యావ్ ఎ మెథడాలజీ కాల్డ్ ఎం ఫోర్ సో వీ యూస్ దట్ మెథడాలజీ టు మేక్ ఇట్ ఎక్స్ట్రీమ్లీ ఈజియర్ టు ఎనలైజ్ అండ్ ప్లాన్ వీ నాట్ ఓన్లీ బ్రింగ్ ద ఎంటైర్ రోడ్ మ్యాప్ ఫర్ ఎ డేటా మోడర్నైజేషన్ ప్రోగ్రామ్ టువర్డ్స్ బిజినెస్ వాల్యూ వీ యాక్చువల్లీ క్రియేట్ ద ద ప్లాన్ ఇన్ అ వెరీ సీక్వెన్షియల్ మ్యానర్ ఇన్ ఎ ఇంక్రిమెంటల్ వే వేర్ కంపెనీస్ సీ వాల్యూ ఎవ్రీ త్రీ టు సిక్స్ మంత్స్ నాట్ త్రీ ఇయర్స్ ఫ్రమ్ నౌ నాట్ ఆఫ్టర్ హండ్రెడ్ మిలియన్ స్పెండ్ అండ్ క్రియేటింగ్ దట్ కైండ్ ఆఫ్ సీక్వెన్స్ ఈజ్ ఎక్స్ట్రీమ్లీ ఇంపార్టెంట్ వితౌట్ దాట్ కంపెనీస్ టెన్ టు ఇన్వెస్ట్ లాట్ ఆఫ్ మనీ కమిట్ లాట్ ఆఫ్ రిసోర్సెస్ అండ్ టైమ్ అండ్ ఇట్ వుడ్ లుక్ యాజ్ ఇఫ్ దే ఆర్ మేకింగ్ త్రీ స్టెప్స్ ఫార్వర్డ్ ప్రోగ్రెషన్ అండ్ టూ స్టెప్స్ బ్యాక్ బికాస్ దట్ సీక్వెన్స్ ఈజ్ ఆఫ్ సో వీ గాట్ దట్ డిసిప్లిన్ అండ్ ఎక్స్పీరియన్స్ పీపుల్ టుగెదర్ టు డూ దీస్ అసెస్మెంట్ and we are very confident uh, and and you know hopeful that all this investment across these three companies that we made in last three months um is good enough for us to take us to almost 80% of our financial targets we have for next year uh, just because of the value in a very tangible way that we showed to them already uh, that hopefully they'll keep us in mind when they are planning for their budget as we speak <laughs> uh and and we'll get uh, we'll start uh, having discussions in january is, is the plan what about the acquisition like how, how many employees inside of the company what happened and how have things changed since the acquisition you know we started getting calls from you know i i got like two calls just before pandemic from um, two publicly traded companies um it services companies global names so i went through uh, the entire not entire process 50% of the process with one firm um in fact um i was in manhattan uh, on march 10th uh, meeting with their president and and um, having little more advanced discussions uh, when the city was actually shut down through pandemic so got home so that deal went off and thankfully uh, for that so we kept on growing through pandemic uh, and when i got the call from um, goldman sachs Uh, and and you know info stretch at that time now epic son um i thought uh, we were in a place where uh, we should really look uh, much bigger than wa- where we were uh, and uh, i personally um have to look for much bigger team much bigger ecosystem to play than always looking for word of the mouth growth because there's only so much you can do with that right uh and i and we felt th- this ecosystem that um epixon and and uh, you know goldman can provide is you know is absolutely world class we were 160 plus people uh when we got acquired on august 11th 2021 how many based here in the us versus abroad throughout our journey we were almost like 50 50 between uh, us and india operations and and the footprint 
today we we within last 15 months we added close to 300 350 people uh we crossed i think 520 last week uh, so the growth is still happening uh, we always have you know upwards of 30 40 positions open at any point of time um the demand for digital engineering products demand for data and information technology products is only exploding as we speak and we are in in the right place uh, to deliver value for our customers and has that been eye opening for you seeing i mean like getting to 150 plus employees that you're at is is a good growth and a big big size but then to all of a sudden had 350 more in a matter of what is that like a 12 month time frame i mean that's yep. that's kind of enormous Yeah I mean that's what the advantage of uh, you know being part of Epixon today right so because Epixon today is uh, you know we are very focused on cloud native uh, human first data uh, engineering and data di- sorry digital experience company uh, digital engineering and data engineering and data analytics are part of that spectrum uh, but it is really about digital experience providing that experience to enterprise customers and we are about 6000 employees organization um and with uh, you know world class um, board and and advisory group and and executive team so i'm super excited about how this journey has been since acquisition uh, and uh, you know more excited about the future you know how uh, this can really grow to be a billion dollar company in next uh, you know 3 years or so which is our strategic goal for epixon And so a little bit more on your personal goals, you know, as you as you look forward, are you seeing yourself professionally being with the company for, you know, the rest of your career? How do you I mean might be too far out to look? Like what are you looking forward yeah, to? Yeah, I mean I I'm not uh, really um looking for uh, anything other than contributing to this goal of building in the, a world-class digital, you know, uh, services company. that will become best partner for all the well known enterprises uh, brands around us uh, and reaching that billion dollar goal in next few years so, so we are very very focused on that right now uh, i'm not you know i'm not really thinking about anything else you know two things that i i i thought i, I i'm good at and i always enjoy uh, because i enjoy i'm good at it which is data and the people and the team that i you know built for gati now is part of epixon and the leadership team that i work with and the board that we have we really work together well and and i enjoy uh, working with them and the data is still the fuel for growth for us uh, so having those two really making me genuinely joyful where i am uh, and not really thinking about future at this point what about from a personal perspective i mean you made it to a point professionally that you know most people never will and and at least on the surface level a, a tremendous amount of success so far as you reflect back on things that you just want to accomplish personally there's certain things that still stick out to you or what what really motivates you to now today as you look back and you've kind of hit the milestones that most people will chase for their entire life within their career i'm as anybody would be in in uh, my place i'm super happy and 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 uh, very much grateful uh, for how uh, this entrepreneurial journey uh, turned out you know it is um, as good as uh, i ever imagined um, uh, even better um, and more importantly along this journey we were able to bring along all this about few hundred people on this joyful journey i would say 
you know, one of the things that I always uh, hold dear to my heart and, and, you know, wear with, you know, on my sleeve with a pride is we have almost a near zero attrition during these uh, extremely difficult uh, situations of uh, holding on to talent, so to speak. You know, we all hear about all kinds of fancy names about how companies are losing their uh, top talent. Uh, we were able to keep this almost near zero compared to any other competitor, primarily because we take care of people very well, we empower them. And also, uh, as importantly, uh, I treated uh, you know the, the core of the team as my partners uh, and we incentivized them when the acquisition happened, I brought along a whole bunch of uh, core team along with me and incentivized them and made them part of that success. Even though nothing was ever written on the piece of paper, I always held this notion that um, a winner takes all kind of attitude in, in a capitalistic society that one part should change because almost guaranteed, I haven't met a single human being who is as genius as you know having to own 100 million plus or more uh, equity in the company and, and walking away with that kind of money. It's always team and uh, it's not good enough for us to say that as a, as a you know, cheesy thing to say. Uh, I think we, we have an opportunity to walk the talk and, and um, that, that part makes me very proud that uh, I was able to do that. And so our last question on the show, which is then around, centered around the theme, which is live uncomfortably. And as you reflect back you know, on your journey, maybe it's the 24 months traveling around the equator, how does it apply to your life and career? And what do you think about when you hear the phrase? I mean, um, the, so the when you go through, you know, that kind of experience of, uh, as I said, uh, 12 hours, seven days, you know, in extremely uh, trying conditions in an engine room of a, of a, you know, cargo ship, right? So when, when you are 22, um, I, I weighed like, you know, I was so thin as a, as a, as a person, I'm not very, you know, well built at, at the time anyway. So uh, when you go through that kind of journey, uh, it is truly a boy becomes man kind of moment. You know, so you, as cheesy as it sounds, but you actually discover yourself, all the strengths and weaknesses of it. And you also dig deep and find the true core of who you are. When you can sustain and even start thriving before I quit, uh, into that that kind of environment and you come to a field like IT and as stressful as and as long hours as this is it still doesn't compare with that you know what I mean so when you when you sust, when you come out of that kind of an experience all this looks extremely joyful and easy uh, so that's whenever you know there are moments where you know there are any number of reasons to be stressful and, and be anxious about. Uh, I At least I have that reference point that I can go back and say, um, you know, this will pass. Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much for joining us. I mean, the story of, of the team and the company, what you guys have built is phenomenal and excited to see what you guys continue to accomplish moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely.